so <clears throat> we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm encouraging you to target something. Ask God specifically for something and then begin to seek his face for that. You may want to change your fast every seven days. You may want to continue the same fast for the entire 21 days. But just stay focused on him. Last week I talked about a word that God had given me for this year was providential, that 2022 would be a providential year, a year of divine intervention. So I'm expecting that. How many of you are expecting that? <clears throat> I've learned that you have to look for things because if you don't look for things, you'll let them slip right by you. Uh, several years, well, not several years ago, a few years ago, Debbie and I were outside and there, there was a uh, comet storm going on. And because of where I was at in town, I was having a hard time seeing I, it was there, I just couldn't see it. And so I got Debbie and we took off and drove up the road just a few miles and pulled off on this gravel road and there was a pond up there that uh, I fished at on occasion and there are no lights up there. And I'm telling you, you couldn't hardly see your hand in front of your face. Once I shut those lights out to the from the car and we got out and set up on the hood and I could see everything. You know, all of a sudden all the distraction was gone and I could see those comets going through the sky. I believe that God is telling us that I am in the midst of doing something. But we have to stay focused to see it because there's so much distraction around us. Have you ever had that happen? I've, I've sat by people in service. My brother, God was dealing with his heart, and he, he was looking for a distraction to break what he was feeling. And he started talking to me during the service, and he was going, man, it's hot in here, isn't it? It's hot. And he acted like he was wiping sweat, and it was really tears. And I thought, I know exactly what he's trying to do, and I would not talk to him. I was over there in that chair praying, get him, God. Get him. <laughs> We're entering a, another season in the natural, but we're also entering another season in the spiritual. And I believe that God is wanting us to be ready, prepared and equipped. Would you say that with me? Prepared and equipped. So today I want to share with you from the book of Leviticus. <clears throat> from the sixth chapter and the 13th verse. Somebody say chapter 6. Verse 13. And I want you to go to just mark a spot in your Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. 2 Timothy 1, verses 6 and 7. 2 Timothy comes right after 1 Timothy. Okay, <clears throat> let's read together. Leviticus 6 and 13. Remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word we ask you, God, to let your word speak to us. I humble myself before you, Father, and just ask you to have your way. Lord, communicate to our hearts, God, what you've been speaking to my spirit. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to say this with me. Don't let the fire go out. 
Say it one more time. Don't let the fire go out. Have any of you ever been camping before and it's cold? Now, nobody cares about the fire when it's in the middle of July, but man, if you're camping, especially if you've ever gone deer hunting and you decided you were going to camp out, you get a fire going and that fire is crucial for your well-being. And so you want to make sure that the fire doesn't go out. That fire provides safety. If you're in the middle of the woods and you've got a fire going, it's not likely you're going to be attacked by animals. And you may say, well, we don't have any animals around here. Well, you get up into Colorado where there are bears and mountain lions, and you want to make sure you've got a fire going so that that fire is a form of protection. The fire also is a, it, it, it keeps you warm. Everybody say warm. How many of you uh, tend to be cold-natured? You know what I'm talking about? I saw some, I, I, I'm not going to call names, but I just saw, I saw one lady just lean over and look at her husband. <laughs> cold-natured. And so while you, we, we've experienced here in the church, you know, I, it, it, was, it was really funny. I, I remember when I first came in part of the congregation, that we always had a mix in the congregation. And I remember getting up one Sunday and I said, how many of you are cold right now? And man, people waved their hand at me. And I said, how many of you are hot right now? And people waved their hand at me. I said, I want all you hot people to get up and trade places with the cold people so they can get warm too. That, that being warm means something. Debbie, that, and when we sleep at night, I like to turn the thermostat down because I don't like to sleep. I, I, can't, I, I would rather sleep where it's cold than try and sleep where it's hot because you can throw covers on and you can, and I always, she said, well, if you're going to turn that down, you better cuddle me. I said, I'm going to cuddle. I said, but I ain't cuddling if I'm hot. That's just, you know, it's, it's just, you, you got to have it turn down to, and then you desire the warmth, the heat. Fire protects us from dangers. It keeps us warm in an environment it also helps provide food for us. Everybody say food. You say, what do you mean fire provides food? I like to eat my fish cooked. I, I don't want raw fish. And I know some of you into sushi, but you can't turn a bass into sushi. I don't care what you do to it. It's just, you know, you, you got to cook it. Everybody say cook it. And so fire's important. It provides something that we need. So much so that God in his law laid out this commandment. He said, don't you ever let the fire at the altar go out. Everybody say it one more time. Don't let the fire go out. I want you to keep in mind two things. One is you're never to let the fire go out and where the fire is located, it's at the altar. It's not just any fire. It's a specific fire. It's a fire that's at the altar, and that altar represents something for us. And so in chapter 9 of Leviticus, when they had finished the dedication ceremony, eight days later, Moses called Aaron and the uh, congregation or the elders together, and he said, look, he said, God has... Uh, told me to tell you that you're supposed to take a young bull for a sin offering, a ram for a burnt offering, take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf and a lamb for a burnt offering, take a bull and a ram for a peace offering, and flour moistened with olive oil for a grain offering. And he said, and you are supposed to present these before the Lord. That's what God has commanded for you to see his glory. Everybody say his glory. How many of you want to see the glory of God? You know what I'm talking about? We talk about it, but I'm going to tell you the glory of God will make you really uncomfortable. What are you talking about? When you, when you get into the glory of God, it'll make you humble yourself. 
The glory of God is something extraordinary. And yet, God said, he promised them, he said, I want you to do all these things. You're going to offer all these sacrifices because today I'm going to show you my glory. Everybody say glory. So in 9 and 22, Leviticus 9, starting with verse 22, the last offerings that Aaron offered were the goat, the bull, the ram, and the moistened flour with olive oil. He put all that on the altar. And when he did, the fire around that altar just started to... How many of you have ever put something on fire that's got a lot of moisture in it, and all of a sudden you just start hearing it... Man, this, was, this would have cooked for hours. You're talking about an entire, a bull, a goat, a ram, and a lamb on that altar. It would have just cooked for hours. And once they put that on the altar, it said, After that, Aaron raised his hands toward the people and blessed them. Then after presenting the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace offering, he stepped down from the altar. Then Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle And when they came back out, they blessed the people again. And the glory of the Lord appeared to the whole community. Everybody say glory. I want you to get this. The the word glory in Hebrew means splendor. It's a great brightness or brilliant luster. It's compared to the brilliance of the sun. And God said, I'm going to show you my glory. There have been times in my life and times in your life where you've been in services and all of a sudden you felt the glory of God start to enter the building. We felt it during the song service. What was strange was in the first service and the second service on the same song, the glory of God started coming in. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you felt it when it started coming in? Now, I've seen folks go, I didn't feel nothing. It's because you're not focused. You're not looking for him. He said, I want you to, he, he specifically said, there are some things you're going to have to do to see my glory. It's not just going to pop up out of anywhere. If you want to see the glory of God, you have got to position yourself to see his glory. You can't just act any old way, do any old thing. You've got to draw close to him. There are some sacrifices that had to be made before they were going to see the glory of God. When all of a sudden they saw that glory, the people were were just taken back. They they looked and, and, and when they saw that brilliance, but see the glory of God had shown up before. Do you remember it was a cloud, a pillar of cloud that led them by day and a pillar of fire by night? That when Moses went into the tent of the tabernacle before that the congregation watched as a cloud came down and it hovered over. And it was God letting everyone know, I am with you. When Moses went up on that mountain for 40 days, that mountain blazed like it was on fire. I'm telling you, there is a Shekinah glory of God. That word is not found in Scripture, but that word means a brilliance of God, a a glory of God that shines. It it talks about it in the the rabbis wrote about it, and they talked about the Shekinah glory. We, We read about it in Scripture where he said, I'm going to meet with you on the mercy seat between those angels' wings. And there were commentators that wrote about a blue flame that could be seen at the mercy seat. It was the the symbol of the presence of God. When these people saw that, they were moved. They, 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 They saw his glory, and they began to just worship him. Then something happened. That that altar that sacrifice that's on the altar that's just sizzling it's going to take hours for it to be consumed to to finally you know be burnt up but when all of this started happening in verse 9 and 24 it says fire blazed forth from the lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar when the people saw this they shouted with joy and fell face down to the ground They saw the glory of God come in. And when they saw the glory of God, it's got their attention. 
They're looking. The glory of God showed up at the tabernacle of that tent where Moses and Aaron had stood out. And then all of a sudden, God's glory came over, and they see this brilliance of God. And then God does something spectacular. He told them, don't ever let the fire on this altar go out. And God does something to that altar. While that lamb and bull and goat are on that altar, God sent a fire down that all of a sudden consumed them in an instant. So they, they couldn't see them anymore. Man, a flash of lightning and everything was gone except hit the fire except the fire after God ignited that thing there is a fire that is burning before the people that God himself had a hand in up to this point they had lit the fire and they had kept it going but God said I want you to understand something about this fire on the altar it's not an ordinary fire it's an extraordinary fire I'm going to reveal oh I, 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 I. God is trying to tell us that there's something different that's getting ready to happen. This isn't about things as usual. This is a providential year. My hand is going to be inserted in a way so that you know without a shadow of a doubt there's been a divine intervention. Whether it's in your life or your family's life or in those that are surrounding you, we can't let the fire go out. We need to say, God, here I am ignite that flame in me this isn't any ordinary fire this fire came from God it can't be replaced by anything else ask Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu were outside the tabernacle they had participated in the service but now they're outside the tabernacle and when they saw what God did when that fire flashed and it consumed that sacrifice, all the people fell down. They began to shout with joy, and they fell face down. I want you to look at this because sometimes we miss this. We think that joy is a position of, woo, everything going my way. They shouted with joy, but they humbled themselves before God. They recognized that there was something that was happening there that day that had nothing to do with them. It was all about him. When they saw that and they began to worship God, Aaron's sons ran and they grabbed a censer, which was like a flat dish, metal piece. They gathered coals of fire, but the coals of fire didn't come from the altar. And there was a direct command from God that said that when you burn incense, you gather the coals from off of that altar. In other words, God's saying, I'm not going to accept just anything. You have to remember who I am, and you have to reverence me. These guys grabbed coals of fire from a different source. Everybody say they called it strange fire. Do you know what the word strange means in Hebrew? It means foreign or to commit adultery. That's what the word means. And God was saying, look, you're not going to pollute the relationship that I have with you. I am not going to be number two in your life. I'm going to be number one. <coughs> Everybody say it with me, number one. God doesn't know how to be number two. I don't want God to be number two. But how many times have we made him number two without realizing we were? Those boys went and grabbed. They got so excited about the moment, they forgot about who he was. They grabbed coals from a different source, spread incense on it, and went running toward the tabernacle. And when they got to the door of the tabernacle, God dropped them dead. And all of a sudden, Moses looked at them and he said, this is what I was talking about. That you have to pay attention to God. You have to reverence God. You, you can't count him as, as, as like, you, you can't treat him just any way. 
How many of you have ever seen someone real casual with God? You know what I'm talking about? It's almost like God is, there's a danger when all of a sudden we start treating God like he's no big deal. When all of a sudden it doesn't matter, you know, well, I don't know whether I want to be in church today or not. I got other things I need to do. I got, look, I'm, and I'm not talking about a religious spirit. I'm talking about God being the center of your world. So all of a sudden your life, you're not, you, you don't try and make God fit into your life. You change your life to fit God. Everybody say, don't let the fire go out. There's something special about this fire. This fire came from God. Now watch this. You say, well, Pastor, what's that got to do with us? The altar represents us. The altar is speaking about our heart. In Romans 12 and 1, Paul makes a statement. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a dead sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice? A living sacrifice. Why? God said, look, all the dead sacrifices came through the Old Testament. But when I sent Christ to make that supreme sacrifice, there are no more dead sacrifices that are acceptable to me. I want a living sacrifice. I want something that's burning inside of you. Don't ever let the fire go out. Stir it up. Let God talk to you. Let God speak to you. Let God use you. Stir it up. Jeremiah understood about that fire. <laughs> he, he's not a fair-weather God, and neither can we be fair-weather Christians. Oh, I'm going I'm to serve God when it's convenient. You have to serve God no matter what's going on around you. No matter what's happening, you've got to be committed. Don't ever let the fire go out. Listen to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's preaching to people that don't want to hear him. They've treated him ill. They've done everything to him. In chapter 20, verse 9, he said, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. Jeremiah said, forget it, man. This isn't working out. He said, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, I could not. I'm telling you, when he gets inside of you to the point that, it, that you feel that fire begin to burn, something's got to give. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, something has to give. I mean, how many of you have ever gotten excited about God before? Anybody in here ever got excited about God? I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about excited about God, not just, not just in a church house, because we can all get together and come in here and, oh, kumbaya. We can all do that, right? We all, all get together, you know, we all, oh, we all say, oh, yeah, praise God, praise God. I'm talking about when you're the only one that's around that wants to hear anything about God. I worked with a group of guys, man, that were incredible. <laughs> they cheated on their wives. They, I had to live with them. I had to live with these guys. And I'm saying, and I remember praying, God, you've got, I can't, I, they're getting ready to bring a woman to the house we're in. And I'm in, it's the middle of the winter and I got no transportation. I'm praying, God, you've got to stop this. I don't know. I, I said, I got no way out of here, but if she shows up, God, I'm on foot. I'm out of here. I'm not going to stay here. And all of a sudden, that guy that was bringing her to the house found himself spinning in the middle of the road, wound up in a ditch for three hours. He never showed up the next day. He said, I don't know what happened. I thought, I do. <laughs> I do. There's some fire that can't be put out. There's a, there is a walk with God that God gives us that no matter who's pushing against you, you will not back up, you will not back off, but you'll stand in the gap, make up the hedge, and say, God, here I am. Fire. Somebody say fire. I was talking to a guy at my job one time, and he, he goes, don't come close to me. Literally, I was walking toward him. He goes, don't stop right where you're at, Rick. Don't take another step. 
I looked at him, I thought, man, what is wrong with you? And he said, every time you start talking to me about God, you get this wild look in your eye and your voice changes. (laughs) You can't get around fire and something not happen. Uh, Come on, somebody, hear what I'm saying. I'm not interested in going to church and sitting in a pew and patting my hands during worship service. I needed a God that was real in my life, real in my heart, uh, that transformed me and changed everything everything. Somebody say he changes everything. I thought about this fire and how that sometimes, you know, how many of you have ever been discouraged before? (laughs) Can I tell you something about fire? If you're discouraged and you throw a piece of wood on fire, it doesn't matter to the fire. The fire doesn't stop and go, oh, well, I'm not going to burn because you're discouraged. The fire doesn't hold back. And you say, well, I, I can't, I, you, know, I, I just, you know, I just don't feel like burning today. you got no choice. This fire is not allowed to go out no matter what's going on around you. Say it with me. Can't go out. We talk about this little light of mine, I'm going to let it sh-. No, 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 no. This, throw that fire up there again, would you? I, I, I'm telling you, this, this wasn't no, this little light of mine. No, no, no. This is a fire, a fire that is raging and it's not allowed to go out. What's God saying? God is making you a promise that no matter what you're going through, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. There's a fire that's going to come forth from my presence that's going to lift you up, that's going to invigorate you and excite you. He's been crucified. They're walking the road to Emmaus. The men are discouraged and Jesus shows up, but they don't know who he is. Because when you start letting the fire go out, you can lose your focus. How many of you know that fire lights up everything around it? And all they were focused on was the darkness of that Friday instead of the light of Sunday morning. (laughs) And he began to talk to them, and he said, well, he he talks to them, he said, well, what, what are you all so bummed out about. He didn't say it that way. He said, what do you, what do you, what, why are you all so distressed? And they said, man, are you a stranger around here? Don't, don't you know what's happened these last few days in Jerusalem? Don't you know what's gone on? And they talked about Jesus and how they had hoped that he had been the one. And he started with a scripture. Somebody say the word of God. And he took the word of God and he started opening it up to them and he showed them in scripture how that Christ was supposed to go through everything that he went through and then be raised again. They stop at this house and then Jesus acts like he's going to go on. They said, no, no, come in here. Come, come and stay with us. And when they went in the house and he took bread and he broke bread. That's why every month we take communion. It's a reminder to us that he gave his body for us. And he said, except you eat this bread and drink this blood, you've got no part of me. What's he doing? He breaks the bread. And when he breaks the bread, he disappears. And they realized who he was. And they made this statement. Did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke to us on the way? What are they saying? They're saying there was a fire that I begin to feel despite everything I have been through. There was something that started igniting in my heart, not because of my circumstance, but in spite of my circumstance. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm bigger than your circumstance. I'm bigger than your situation. Don't let the fire go out. When you begin to feel it, those guys packed up and headed back to Jerusalem. They said, man, I got some news to tell. They go in and they start telling all the disciples, and guess who shows up? He does. He's able. He's with us always. Somebody say, let it burn. The only time, how many of you have ever had heartburn? 
It's not the same thing. You take Rolaids, Pepto-Bismol, anything you can to try and put that heartburn out. But I'm telling you, they felt their hearts burning within them, and it was the best heartburn they'd ever experienced. They were, had been discouraged one moment, and they were excited the next moment. They had been down, and now they're up. I'm telling you, he's still the same today. No matter what you're facing, he can turn it around. You've got to let the fire burn. John talked about it. John the Baptist looked at them and said, he, he made the statement in Matthew 3 and 11. He said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. Somebody say it with me, with the Holy Ghost and fire. John had received a word from God that when he saw the Messiah, he would know because there would be the Holy Spirit would descend on him or the Holy Ghost would descend on him like a dove. Throw that dove up if you would. I don't know what that dove looked like, but I know what John said. John said, there's someone coming after me that I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. I've been baptizing you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. When he shows up, John sees him. And John points at him. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then Jesus walks up to John and says, baptize me. John says, say what? <laughs> I need you to baptize me. He said, you got to be kidding me. He said, I need you to baptize me. He said, look, he said, you need to do this so the scripture can be fulfilled. And so John takes him, puts him under the water, brings him back up, and he sees that dove ascend before him. And there's that promise that he's going to baptize us with fire. Later in the book of Acts, the first chapter of Acts, I think it's the fifth verse, Jesus talks to them and he said, look, he said, John baptized you with, fire, with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in not many days. And then all of a sudden, when you get to Acts 2 and 1, look what happens. One day, and on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Two people in this house know what I'm talking about. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about, everybody goes, oh, the Holy Spirit. No, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm talking, do you know, if you look up the word Holy Ghost, do you know what it means? It means the Spirit of Christ. And it said that they had not received the Holy Ghost yet because he had not yet gone away. What's he doing? He's saying, I'm going to go away, and the Father's going to send you the comforter. What's he saying? I'm coming back. <laughs> he said, I am with you, but I'm going to be in you. I'm getting ready to light your fire. Uh, so, you know, I, I guarantee you, some of you right now that are carnal, are thinking about that song that I'm thinking about. <laughs> you remember that song? Come on, baby, light my fire. How many of you were thinking of that? Raise your hand. Be honest if you were thinking of that. Look at all those carnal people right there. No, I'm kidding. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that God was saying, look, I didn't come and offer myself as a sacrifice to perform some religious ritual. I came down here so you could have life and you could have it more abundantly. Now, I've walked with you, but I'm getting ready to live in you. And so he sends that fire. On the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came, there were cloven tongues like fire, and they started speaking in other tongues. I was in Russia one time meeting with some government officials. Ray will remember this. And they got me aside, and they said, so, Rick, they, they'd heard about the Holy Ghost. And they looked at me, and they said, so, Rick, and she was real snot-nosed when she did. I mean, she was real being real uppity when she did this. She looked at me, and she goes, well, Rick, do you speak in other tongues? 
And I looked at her and I smiled and I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Man, her mouth dropped open. Now I said, can I ask you a question? I said, is it true that in Russia, I said, I've heard that in Russia there are over a thousand different dialects. She said, oh yes, more than a thousand. I said, well, why would it seem strange to you a person living in a nation that has over a thousand different dialects that God would have a dialect all his own? <laughs> now hear me. Sometimes when we talk about the Holy Ghost, we get a little nervous and antsy because there's been so much stuff that's got associated with it. And we forget about the power and the fire that comes with that. I'm telling you, there have been times in my life where I have been down and all of a sudden I'd feel the fire of God's presence well up in me and I would start speaking in another language that I didn't even know what I was saying, but I felt strength coming up in me. I felt power coming up in me. Now, hear what I'm going to tell you. We've got to get past this about being afraid of speaking in tongues we got to get now look everything's supposed to be done in decency and in order and I believe that and I'll make sure that happens but I am not going to allow the devil to try and quench the spirit of God now hear me if the only time it's happening for us is in here then it's not the spirit of God I'm telling you that God wants to ignite a fire in your heart in your home. What does fire do? If, if, if I take a knife and I'm putting it in the fire because I need to cut my, I need, well, let me phrase <laughs> this. If I, get, if, I, if I got bit by a snake, and I put a knife in a fire, and I'm going to cut myself to get the poison out, why am I putting the knife in the fire? The knife does what? The knife purifies. The, I mean the fire, I'm sorry. The fire purifies. It purges everything. And so that's what God is saying. Look, let the fire of my spirit well up inside of you so it'll get rid of all the junk that the devil keeps trying to throw on you. You've got to get to a point where you're saying, God, here I am. Let it burn in me. Say it with me. Let it burn in me. Paul talks to Timothy. And in Paul's instructions to Timothy, I want you to go with me now to 2 Timothy chapter. 1 verses 6 and 7. And this is what Paul says. Therefore, th Paul is talking to Timothy, and Paul says, th this is in the King, New King James. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Now watch this. I want you to look at this scripture in the amplified version. And guess what the amplified version does? It amplifies it. <clears throat> that is why I remind you to fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, the special endowment which is in you through the laying on of my hands with those of the elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment, personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. Everybody say, fan it into a flame. I need somebody to bring me some tea. What are you doing, Pastor? I'm thirsty. Fan it into a flame. I was doing a broadcast here recently, and I, I had a fire going outside. And I'd started in the front of my house, and I was walking around, and it was at night. And, man, it had rained the night before, and all my wood was wet. Sorry. I didn't cover it up. Everybody say wet wood. Yeah, thank you. Just hang out for a second. So... I, I've, got this, I've got this wood that's wet, and I'm thinking, man, i got to get a fire going. So I'm working and working to get a fire going. i got a lot of smoke going. And you could hear this wood going, Shh. 
I finally got the fire going. And when I got the fire going, I, I went to do the broadcast. Well, guess what? By the time I got around back, my fire went out. And so now I'm live on a broadcast, and I'm thinking, I've got to get this going. And so I told the folks watching, I said, hang on just a minute. I need to see if I can get this fire going again. And I got down close, and I went, and when I did, man, it burst into flames. And I had somebody ask me, they said, what did you do to get that fire burst into flames like that? I said, buddy, I'm a fire-breathing dragon. (laughs) No, I didn't. I said, look, I said, I had a pile of wood that was special wood it was treated with something that would ignite and so I took that wood and when I shoved it in I blew on it and the embers hit that and immediately it broke into a flame what are you saying I'm saying that God started this fire that this isn't something that we did on our own, that God did this. But even with God doing it, sometimes we've got to fan it or it'll go out. Paul said, I need some sugar. Is it? I just like sugar in my tea. So you, you can't just treat God's presence Anyway, Paul is instructing Timothy, there's something, oh, thank you. Yeah, that's good. What's wrong with the sugar? Salt. That sugar doesn't even work. How many times do we do that to God? God gave us everything we needed. He provided for us, but we're missing one key ingredient. What's that? You have to stir it up. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, stir it up. We allow the devil to come in and take us down and get us depressed. And we fall down and we feel like, oh, there's nothing I can do. You need to get up on your feet and remember that you are a child of God. And stir up the gift that's inside of you. Fan the fire and let us call out to God and let him do what he promised he would do. He said, I'm going to show my glory and I'm going to ignite a fire. Would you stand with me? Peter writes to us in 1 Peter, the second chapter, the ninth verse. He said that he's, he's talking to us. You say, well, wait a minute. Peter wrote this years ago. You have to understand something about Scripture. When you read Scripture today, the Scripture you're reading is for you. You can't just read it in historical context. Study it that way, but you have to let it speak to you. So when Peter writes in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, but you, everybody say you, are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. David writes to us in the Psalms 139. Listen to his words. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. What's David saying? David's saying, look, I know what it was like to be without him. And I'm telling you, since I found him, I'm never going to let anybody talk me out of him. I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident. You're not an afterthought. You say, well, my parents didn't want me. It doesn't matter whether your parents wanted you or not. It's God that wanted you. 
God's the reason you're here. I, I've heard people make a statement. A pastor friend of mine, Mike Hayes, went into another country. and like I, I think it was like 80 or 90% of the men there were illegitimate. And so they, they were born out of wedlock. And, and he thought, and, and it became a big deal to these guys. And, and they couldn't get past that. And they were letting that weigh on them. And Mike looked at me and said, let me tell you something. He said, you're not illegitimate. He said, the relationship that brought you into the world might be illegitimate, but you are not illegitimate. You are a child of God. God's got a plan for your life, and it's time for us to say, here I am, God. Use me. Would you, would you say that with me? Here I am, God. Use me. I want you to stand with me if you would. Most of you stand up. I want to share something with you. They're going to get ready to sing. Come on in. I want to pray with you specifically over a couple things before you leave here today. One is that you will come to the realization that God has a plan for my life. How many of you realize that? Well, hold your hand up if you realize that. Now, your plan and my plan aren't the same plan. But it's the same God. And so I can't get away with trying to fulfill your plan. And you can't get away with trying to fulfill my plan. These plans were handcrafted with each individual in mind. You're not an afterthought. God's not looking and saying, well, I wonder what I'm going to do with them. God has a specific plan and purpose for your life, but you'll never step into that until you begin to let the fire of God burn and the altar of your heart because that will bring you into his presence. I knew a minister. I want to talk to you about this fire for just a second. We're going to pray. I knew a minister, and he told me he, he couldn't understand what was going on, but he would start to pray for people and he would feel a burning sensation in his left hand. And another minister came to him and didn't know about that. And he told him, he said, when you pray, he said, you feel a burning sensation in your hand. And he said, that's right. He told him, he said, that's a gift of healing. And God wants you to recognize it so you can walk in it. See, there are things that God has put in us that we're putting on the shelf because we don't recognize it. I've prayed for people before and they told me, they said, man, I feel like something is burning. And God was healing them. God wants to use the fire in your life. He put it there with an intent. Paul told Timothy, you stir it up, son. You fan it into a flame. It's a special gift, that inner fire that God's put in you. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're in here today and you're saying, God, I want you I, I want to experience your glory. Now remember, no sacrifice, no glory. They had to offer the sacrifice before the glory of God could be shown. We're in 21 days of prayer and sacrifice, prayer and fasting, prayer and seeking God. So if you really want to experience the glory of God, then what I'm going to ask you to do is to come today and say, God, ignite the fire that you've put in my life. Use me for your glory. And I promise you, you're going to see a divine intervention in your life. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now as they begin to sing this song. If you're here and you want that, I want you to come right now, very quickly. As, as, as you're coming down, 
I'm going to take a moment here. If you're here and you need healing in your body, I want you to come down right now. Very quickly, very quickly. When His glory came, they all saw it. When the fire came, they all began to shout for joy and fell on their face before God because they knew where that fire came from. I've had, I've used fire before to drive out things that shouldn't be there. You ever have a bunch of bees come after you? You want to put them to sleep? Smoke them. You want to kill them? Burn them. Somebody said, I can't believe he just said burn the bees. No, I didn't say burn the bees. I said, there are some hornets in our life. There are some adversaries in our life, and I'm speaking spiritually, that we need to quit smoking and we need to drop. We need the fire of God to fall. Stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. Say, I want you to sing that song for just a second. Jesus is in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. Yes, God. I speak the holy name. concerning the fire of God and for some reason it just didn't they didn't get it and they treated it like it wasn't anything no big deal 
Matter of fact, they went to their own source. Put that fire in the censer, threw incense on it, and went running into the tabernacle and never left again alive. I'm telling you that there is no substitute for the Spirit and the presence of God in our lives. We can't get it any other way. No program, no series of lessons. It's just God. And when we get to a place where we say, God, here I am, I want just you. Somebody say it with me, just you then things are getting ready to change. So this is what I want you to do is you stretch your hands to heaven with me. All across this building, I want you to say, God, let that fire, your fire, burn in me. I'm not asking about my neighbor or my friend or my it's got to start with me if it doesn't start with me nothing else is going to happen it's got to start with me so raise your hands right now and say God let it start with me as they sing it again come on stretch those hands heaven let it start and place it on there and the next thing you know man you got a flame that's roaring this is what I want you to understand there's not a one of you in here that are by yourself you are uniquely connected to the family of God you may not like it but I'm your brother <laughs> and so this is what I'm saying I want you to reach out and get a hold of someone's hand right now and if you would just say you are not alone are not alone Melissa last week the lady that you requested prayer for she is not alone you know why because you came up and you made her a part of your prayer you made her a part of your petition you placed her in the fire don't let her come out now don't let her just keep piling wood on it don't let it come out now don't all of a sudden let a situation rob you of the fire of God that's in you hear me there is no situation as big as God is there is no circumstance that's as big as he is he's more powerful so as you hold hands together today understand that you represent a God that's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you can ask or think I want you to stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. 
They're going to they're going to say, listen to me. 2022 is a year of a divine intervention. It's a year where all of a sudden God extends his hand and says, devil, I've seen what you tried to do. Watch this. And God's going to grab back and snatch back and declare a thing. He's going to speak those things that are not as though they were. That means we have to do the same thing. We have to declare it. We have to stand on it. We have to grab it and hang on to it. Are you ready? You've got somebody by the hand. Stretch those hands to heaven with me right now. They're going to sing this. wrong with what he's given us it's our perception we have to quit acting like all I need to do is sprinkle a little bit on it if I could just get a little touch get a little get a little something from God no no you need to take what he gave you and you need to go to work at stirring it up in your life and in your heart, you say, Pastor, how do you do that? Right here. <laughs> I can tell you, I've stirred the fire of God up in my heart and in my soul more times by getting in His Word and letting His Word get in me. This isn't just a book. This is a sword. And it's able to lay the enemy at your feet. Paul told Timothy, he didn't just tell him, stir up the gift that's in you. He told him to rightly divide the word of truth. When you lay hold to the word and begin to declare the word over your life, speak about your life what the word says about your life. Don't listen to your situation because your situation will lie to you. His word forever settled it's impossible for God to lie so declare your word or his word over your life amen they're going to do this one more time I want to let you go but this is what I'm asking you to do I'm asking you to see here's the thing I really believe that we're getting marching orders I believe that God is saying, okay, I've poured into you, I've, I've equipped you, now I need you to start marching. So whatever it is he's asking you to do, just do it. His mother told the men in the kitchen, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. If you want water to turn into wine, then don't argue with him, just do it. 
How many times are we trying to tell God how to do it? Look, if you're going to turn this into wine, couldn't you just go ahead and fill up the empty pots? I mean, you want me to go out to a well and draw 180 gallons of water? Why don't you just do it? That's a problem. We don't want to stir anything up. We don't want our hand to be involved in it. And God's saying your hand is going to be involved in it because that's the, why I created you for that purpose. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me, I want you to say, I want you to make this pledge to God. If you ignite a fire in me, I promise I'm going to keep it going. I'm not going to let it go out. I'm going to feed it and feed it and feed it. If, you, if, if, if that's your prayer, then shout yes. All right, well, I got some good news for you because he's already ignited a fire in you. So go ahead and feed it. Let's sing it one more time. Father, we ask your blessing over this congregation, God. You've made them the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Bless them going out and coming in. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name.